You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Women's Health. Your host is Dr. Lisa Mazzullo, Assistant Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Northwestern University Medical School, the Feinberg School of Medicine. With me today is Dr. Mishka Turplin, an assistant professor at the University of Chicago, and we're going to be discussing substance abuse and pregnancy and the challenges that can provide in the clinical setting. Welcome, Dr. Turplin. Thank you very much for having me. It's our pleasure. So the question I think comes to mind is, do we really think that substance abuse in pregnancy is something that is a significant health problem or concern? I guess it depends a little bit if you're thinking about what are the outcomes or consequences of perinatal drug or alcohol exposure. And certainly alcohol is associated with fetal alcohol syndrome, which is more just like a spectrum disorder that ranges from severe mental retardation to more subtle findings. And in terms of illicit drug use, we don't have that great an amount of evidence. But more important, I think, than what might be the sort of fetal or newborn consequences would be what the consequences are to maternal life course and child development for children who are then going to be born and raised in an environment in which there is illicit drug consumption. As well as their own developmental risk, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Well, how prevalent do you think this is in the normal pregnant population? It's something we don't have a very good handle on. There's a range in the literature that goes from less than 1%, and that was a study looking at spouses and military recruits, and to maybe 30%, which was a study that was done in the Alabama public health clinics. And we have national-level data from the National Survey of Drug Use and Health that quotes about 4 or 5% of pregnant women say that they've used an illicit substance in the month prior to being interviewed. The problem with that is that a lot of women, for very good reasons, are not going to disclose their illicit drug use, even though both the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology and the American Pediatric Association say that one should provide universal screening for drug and alcohol use in pregnancy, it's not being done. Why do you think there's a reluctance among healthcare providers in doing universal screening regarding substance abuse? Some of it has to do with reluctance on the part of the providers. They don't really know what to do with a screen positive. They don't have access to referral resources. So if you don't know what you're going to do about a positive result, it's better not to perform the test. Another thing has to do with stereotypes or moralistic perspectives that providers carry into their clinical practice regarding women and illicit drug use in particular, and that sort of translates into women feeling a sense of stigma about their own drug use or alcohol use and a reluctance to answer questions honestly. Do you think there's a stigma from professionals as well, healthcare professionals, of the person who they think should be using or would be using substance abuse? Yeah, there definitely is. And there's really only one article that I know of that actually addresses this. And they looked at, they did a cross-sectional survey. They did urine screening on everybody in a prenatal clinic and found that rates of illicit drug use were actually similar, looking just at a white versus African-American. Yet, African-American women were far more likely to be referred to Child Protective Services for positive screens. 
So I think that there is definitely a bias that operates in the clinical environment. You know, it's interesting that also brings up the thought, you know, the whole war on drugs that's going on as part of public policy, where women who are incarcerated or pregnant before they're incarcerated, often for a drug-related issue. And it seems that the overwhelming majority of the women who are incarcerated are black over Caucasians. That's true. And actually, even if you look back, so I think in many ways, the most uh, pertinent history to form any you know, vision of you know, illicit drug use and pregnancy is the crack cocaine epidemic and the whole image of the crack baby. And even looking back at that data from that time, which isn't as robust as data that we have now on a national level, even though the image of the crack mom was an African-American inner-city person, actually white women were constituted a greater proportion of crack users during the late 80s and early 90s. And there's no question that there is within sentencing and policing racial practices that lead to just incredible incarceration rates at this moment in time for women in general and women of color in particular. Do you foresee any way for us to arrange a more equal or less biased vision of these women? Well, I think that certainly a lot of ethnographic research and there's some nonprofits such as the National Association for Pregnant Women that really advocate for a more holistic view and take. It really kind of comes down to what you think illicit drug use is and what it represents. And on the one hand, if you think that drug use is an amoral act and therefore it should be illegal, which was in many ways the paradigm that was introduced by Bill Bennett, who is the drug czar under the first President Bush, then it's really hard to undo sort of stigma and stereotypes. But if you take a view that drug consumption is somewhere part of human nature and people have been consuming substances for uh, millennium, and that actually most people who use even illicit substances don't necessarily mount problems with them that would require, you know, drug treatment or something you'd call addiction, interfere with their life in such a way. So, for example, you're referring to the idea of the occasional use illicit drug user versus the dependent or addicted drug user? Yeah, and that's a problem with urine screening of pregnant women is that urine tests are only positive, you know, for a certain amount of time, depending on the substance. And you may or may not be catching somebody who would really necessarily benefit from treatment or whose use is really going to cause like a lot of problems. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Advances in Women's Health. And today we're speaking to Mishka Turplin, the Assistant Professor of University of Chicago's Department of OBGYN, and we're discussing the challenges of substance abuse in pregnancy. So as we were saying, it's very hard to test some of the patients who may have occasional substance abuse as opposed to a more dependent situation. So how do you suggest we do universal screening for the patients in our clinic populations? Well, I think actually, although urine screening is very helpful in people who are known to use drugs and alcohol as a way of monitoring the efficacy of a treatment intervention, I think you need to have a more comprehensive look that takes into account psychosocial screening, and as well as an assessment on the patient's own part as to whether or not she considers her drug use to be a problem. 
Because in many ways, what you were asking before about the drug war, a lot of the harm that comes from illicit drug consumption is secondary to the fact that it's illicit. So these women in or, you know, who are addicted to heroin who happen to get pregnant end up being involved in marginal aspects of our society, illegal transactions, you know, injecting with needles, things like that. And it's the illegal side of it that confers in some ways a much greater risk to her, her life, her fetus, and subsequent child development. Because of the risks of things like HIV and subsequent problems from yeah, the substance abuse. or being involved in criminal activities and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so a way of approaching that would be to have accessible like needle syringe exchange, federal needle syringe exchanges you know, decriminalization of certain substances, you know, regulation of things, and a perspective on the part of, you know, society to a large extent in terms of ameliorating the social and economic context in which illicit drug use takes place or in which people feel that there is no hope. It's interesting because I think in Amsterdam when they legalized marijuana, they realized that the use of the product actually went down. So it's almost like when your grandmother said you can have as much chocolate as you want as long as you eat your broccoli, you can only eat so much chocolate. Yeah, exactly. So that always becomes kind of interesting. Well, when you are identifying a patient who may be pregnant with a substance abuse problem, what are some of the special things you think need to be addressed because there are two patients involved in this situation? The big picture is that all women, regardless, when they're pregnant, want to do the best that they can for their unborn child. And there's a whole lot of ethnographic data, not very much quantitative data, that demonstrates that pregnant women who use illicit substances engage in behavioral modification in order to reduce what they perceive of as risks to the fetus. Now, sometimes what they engage in is actually will constitute a greater risk, such as, you know, try and cut back on the heroin and deal with the cravings by drinking a lot of alcohol, and that would clearly be worse for the fetus. So I think recognizing to the patient that supporting her in her efforts to engage in behavioral change is really important and to sort of destigmatize her as well as to kind of discuss the importance of prenatal care because there is some evidence that even women who use illicit drugs who engage in prenatal care have far better birth outcomes than women who use illicit drugs in the absence of prenatal care. In the care for these women, do you think that there's some criteria on how to approach an inpatient versus outpatient approach to treat these women? Well, oftentimes, women in general, and pregnant women in particular who use drugs and alcohol, have a lot of child care issues. And so inpatient drug treatment can be very disruptive of their home life, and they're less likely to comply with that sort of treatment. Now, there's some exceptions in the city of Chicago, which have inpatient units that allow children to stay with mothers. And certainly, I think that the best combination is sort of a multidisciplinary approach in which you've got an obstetrician dealing with prenatal care issues who works closely with a social worker and drug treatment facility, where you can decide whether or not inpatient versus outpatient needs are the most appropriate. Things such as inpatient can also be a helpful sort of adjunct for people who have very unstable home lives, more than what the benefit of, you know, the treatment being provided in that context is more just the stability of a space that's Mm -hmm. important. Or removing them from the substance itself, maybe. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. What do you think about confidentiality as part of drug treatment programs? Do you think that's something that exists? 
It definitely exists from a researcher's perspective, which can be very frustrating because dealing with national data sets, you really can't track readmissions, which would be a really important variable to look at. And on the level of individual clinics, I think actually on the whole, the people who work in those places are very committed to confidentiality, and I don't think those things are violated very often. That doesn't mean that individuals aren't going to be a little bit wary or suspicious of divulging sensitive information to social workers or physicians. Mm -hmm. You know, another misconception possibly is that women who are pregnant who undertake some sort of substance abuse will be harder to consider pain management for when they're in labor. Do you think there's some truth to that? That's certainly true of people who use opiates. In, in general, in labor and in, in other contexts in which they'll need pain medicine. And people have also looked at this, not in the context of pregnancy, but in other contexts like emergency rooms, that actually people who admit to um, illicit drug use are actually, even though they have a greater need for pain medicine for procedures, are actually less likely to get it or get less of the pain medicine. So there can be a, sometimes even on an unconscious level, a sort of punishment that's inflicted on these people by providers. As a last thought, do you anticipate or are you encouraging any future programs or other devices that may help reduce substance abuse in women who may be pregnant? The big picture is that pregnant women who use drugs and alcohol are women who use drugs and alcohol, get pregnant, and keep using drugs and alcohol. So in many ways, it's a question of access to contraception, compliance with contraception, and access to safe abortion resources for the women who don't desire the pregnancies. Mm -hmm. And I think that access to contraception would be key. It's interesting because this problem for pregnant women not only can affect them when they're trying to get pregnant, and the miscarriage risk obviously is much higher if they're substance abusers, but that it's also the long-term sequelae for both the mother and infant. So it's a short-term and a long-term problem, which is unique compared to so many other medical problems that we deal with. Exactly. And that's sort of the message from the crack cocaine years was that in many ways it was a pediatric problem that was misunderstood as an obstetric problem. Well, thank you so much to Dr. Mishka Turplan, the assistant professor of OBGYN at University of Chicago, who's been our guest, and we've been discussing the challenges of substance abuse in pregnancy and how to care for these women. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Advances in Women's Health with your host, Dr. Lisa Mazzullo. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, please go to reachmd.com forward slash women's health.